welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. I'm so excited to be talking to Rita Denoyers Garcia today. She's a spiritual teacher and coach. Rita has a master's degree in social work from Columbia University and has been helping people gain insights and understanding of themselves for more than 25 years. She is the author of Extraordinary Abundance and The Self-Compassion Project. To find out more about her work, you can check out her website, Becoming Awake. So um, so I wanted to talk about that today because uh, um, one of the things, I, I guess I should back up by saying that um, I think you can tell a lot about people on their Facebook pages. And, you know, I was thinking about this when I was getting dressed earlier. Um, there was somebody who passed away, somebody I know's daughter passed away mm. um, a couple years ago. And I pulled up her Facebook page and she had all of these posts about saving puppies or saving dogs. And if you went scrolled through, there'd be a few birthday things here and there, but they were all about saving dogs. And I thought, wow, what a compassionate human being. And so when I wrote the condolence note, I said, you know, you tell a lot about a person by Facebook. And I saw that your daughter loved saving animals and what a compassionate human being you can tell that where her energy was put. Um, and so that leads to you. So I've been noticing, you know, we're friends on Facebook. We met through Rise, which is this great um, female entrepreneur group of women in the health and wellness industry. And, um, and that's how you and I got connected. And uh, I was impressed when I met you and, and, you know, with your book and, and we can talk a little bit about that in a minute, but um, one of the things that I noticed is that you are very honest and real about yourself and about your life journey. And there's such a vulnerability in that, but I also think that people really connect um, to somebody who can really be honest and, and share who they really are. And I think that I want to learn from a teacher who has also been taught um, and that was what the gift that I saw in you. But then I also, the other added layer on top of it is you have a fabulous sense of humor. <laughs> Thank you. So um, those were the things that stood out to me. And I thought, wow, I want to, you know, I'd love that you're really honest about whatever you're dealing with in your own life. Um, and then I think that people, it, it puts us on sort of like this level playing field where um, we, we see that we're much more alike than unalike that we're all suffering a lot of the same struggles as moms, as women. Um, and you talked a little bit about that, about um, you help women uh, become happier in their lives um, by baby making better decisions. So I just thought we could talk a little, start a little bit about that. And what does that mean for you? Right. Um, thank you for that lovely introduction, yeah. by the way. It's always nice to have something positive reflected back to you. Just a nice, a nice confirmation. Um, yeah, so my background is, um, I was thinking about this before this, this conversation, what do I want to say? And I just want to say that um, from the get-go, I've wanted to help people. Like, I just remember having conversations as a 
you know, eight year old and a 12 year old with my mom about helping people. And then I went through my own journey of really helping myself. Yeah. Like even going into social work school, um, I, I was going to save the world, Pam. I was going <laughs> to save the world. Yeah. And what I realized was that I need to do my own work before I even attempt to do that. So um, that is a big part of why I'm so transparent, mm -hmm. I think, is like, look, we all have work to do. Um, I'm not immune to it. I'm not your guru. Because that was another thing that I noticed when I started having clients is people are like, but Rita, you're different. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not. I just do the work. Yeah. I'm driven to do the work. And yeah, and I, I agree. Um, I, I run into that sometimes too. <clears throat> and I think you have to be really careful of that. I, I right away try to bring myself back down to the other person's level. Yeah. Well, you have to, one of the big tenants in social work school is start where the client's at. Yes. Meet them where they are, not where Meet I them am. where they are. Right. If they're, you know, at five, you meet them at five and then you help them get to the six, seven, and eight. You don't start at 10 going, mm -hmm. Hey, we're, come on, come on up to 10. Catch up. Hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause then they'll go, Oh, oh four, three, two, one. Right. So, but you need to be with them without, you don't want to get in the ditch with them necessarily, but you do want to go, I understand that you're in a ditch. I totally understand that. Here's a rope. Can you, can you just hold on to the rope a little bit? Can you put your hands around it? And then we'll talk about, you know, going up out of the ditch. Yeah. So what so, defining moment for you, um, when, when was that turning point where you realized like, wow, in order, you know, I feel called to help others, which, you know, many of us are. And, but I love that, that, that you were self-aware enough that in some moment, there was a pivotal moment where you said, oh, hey, wait a minute, I need to do the work, you know, compassionately yes. to myself first yeah. before I can pour out for others. Well, I would, when I was in social work school, um, I had panic attacks and it was because at my internship um, there was a guy there and I really actually say, thank God he was there. And he would say really uh, weird and sexual things to me. And I felt really uncomfortable and I kept thinking, what's wrong? We were friends, you know? And uh, I finally confronted him and he stopped talking to me completely. Mm. And then I, so I didn't know what to do. I was just like this little 20 something, you know, uh, social work intern. And I didn't understand all the dynamics of what was going on. And then someone said, Rita, he's sexually harassing you. And I was like, what? Really? This is, you know, this is not 2020. This is like in the, the yeah. 90s where this stuff was still kind of like, what? I don't understand why I feel so terrified and angry and all these feelings. And then I had to tell my supervisor and she was like, Oh my gosh. So it was then that I realized I was constantly calling my friends, trying to get some answers and feel better. And finally one of my social work friends said, Rita, I can't help you. I think you need to talk to a professional. Mm, and that's when thank God Columbia had, counselors and I went to a counselor and then they got me to a therapist 
But the reason, one of the reasons that I think I had those panic attacks is from core childhood wounds. Hmm. I saw so, you wrote a little bit about that. I was hoping we could touch on that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you first approached me about this, I was like, oh, core wounds. Let's, let's talk about that. So I think in that situation, as, as bad as it was, I reacted and did what I did as a response to it. And I was so frozen because of other stuff that was going on before, way before that. And it put me, it triggered me into like panic. I had panic attacks. I wouldn't leave my room. I was staying at um, International House where you have your own little room. I didn't want to leave the room. I didn't want to get in elevators. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to see my friends. And that is so not like me at all. And that's when I realized there's something really big here that needs to be addressed. And I can't help anyone else, my clients. I can't do anything at this internship until I go into this. And that started a whole other journey of seven years of therapy. Um, And that was just the entry point into that therapy. And of course, you know, in therapy, you have the issue you come in with, and then there was a whole lot of other issues that get covered. But that was a big game changer for me. And it seems so obvious now, of course, like social workers, if you're going to be a psychologist or a social worker, yeah, you're going to have to go through therapy. They recommend it so yes. that you know what your own issues are and you don't put it on your clients. You know what it's like to be in that chair on the other side. So it was such a blessing, like a look back and go, thank God that guy was there to do that um, so that he could trigger in me something that came up so that could be cleared. It took a while, of course. Yeah, yeah. But you said yes to it. And that's, that was the key. Yeah. Well, I think in some ways, my soul was like, you're going to deal with this now. Yeah. And my, and I didn't have a choice. I was like, either I stay in my room for the rest of my life and stop going to school or I deal with this. Do you find that many people get stuck in that place of fear of not wanting to open up the can or, or to peek in because, the, because they're so yeah. afraid of what they might find. But yeah. what I have found in doing my own work um, on myself is that it's so healing that I sort of, when things bubble up for me now, I'm, now I'm like, okay, I need to work on that. And then I go to the people that I know yes. have wisdom that can, can walk me through it in, in a safe and yes. you know, in an easy way. That's the pace that I need. And, um, but I, so anyway, what, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's usually a couple of reasons why people don't want to, I mean, as human beings, we don't want to deal with things that are uncomfortable. That's sort of our makeup. We avoid, which is why we have these issues that never get healed. Cause we avoid, we avoid. And there's usually a couple of reasons. One is we don't know if there's a way to deal with it, we don't know how to deal with it. We know it feels awful, Mm -hmm. but we don't know what do we do now? Now we're an open wound and we're going to feel that way. The other myth is we're going to feel this way forever. Mm. Right? So why even bother? Like just put a bandaid on it and avoid it and keep going. So one is we don't know we have resources. Um, and I would say, uh, you have to have a little faith that you're going to find the resource. There are so many people who are dying to help you. 
I know them. All my colleagues are like, I'm dying to help people, especially now because a lot of stuff's coming up. Wow. Yeah. I I saw that you wrote about that, about now a lot of those. And that's what happened to me, uh, to be honest with you, is like something came up and my, I'm a spiritual director and I see a spiritual director and she said to me, where do you think that's coming from, Pam? And I, and and she kind of was pointing me one way and I'm like, oh no, I know what it is. I'm like, it's this teacher that, you know, hurt me when I was 10. And, uh, and it's still, it changed the course of my life because yes. somebody said something about me. It became my story. Yes. I, I took it on and then I would tell people like, oh, well, I'm this way, but none of it was, none of it was ever true. And I've spent my, my, my adult life from time to time when it bubbles up, unpacking it, reevaluating it. But um, it wasn't until recently that um, that uh, Lori Dalby, the mm-hmm. shaman friend, Lori, I talked to her a little bit and she said, have you ever, you know, if I said it's a, that somebody suggested I write a letter but not send it. And she said, do it from a place of gratitude. And I, it, it was really healing because it wasn't this angry thing. It was sort of like, well, what were the gifts that came out of it? And what did I learn about myself and how did I grow? Um, and so taking that avenue, I felt like, it took some of that fear away because I knew I was going to look at, well, like you said, this guy harassed you, but yet it was a pivotal moment in your life that you're grateful for because it, it, you know, catapulted you into growing and healing and, you know, unpacking some things like we were saying that it's not fun and we think we're going to be stuck there forever, but it's temporary. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you, if you want to do any type of growth, you have to be temporarily uncomfortable. You have to be willing to be temporarily uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And by the way, your life's going to push you in that direction anyway. So um, whether you think you're making a conscious decision or not, sometimes it's just like, nope, we're going to throw you in it. And this is a collective, what's going on now is a huge global uncomfortable zone. Oh, everything's uncomfortable. Right, <laughs> exactly. The mask, the mask is uncomfortable. You know, yeah, the mass is uncomfortable, dealing with race relations is uncomfortable, dealing with your own health is uncomfortable, dealing with uh, politicians is uncomfortable, medical institutions, religious, everything. Every, even, every shopping, little thing. even a shopping trip that used to maybe be pleasant is uncomfortable. Right, right. So, and sometimes, you know, I have to, when I go into the outside world, I'm like, well, putting on my safari hat, let's see what happens. <laughs> so I try to go, okay, how are you going to get through this? What would you say to somebody who's listening to us talk about, you know, about things bubbling up, especially now, because we're so raw, like you said, yeah. there's so many things coming at us with the news and politics and et cetera. And we all know what the list is. Um, what would you say to somebody who's listening and says, you know, I'm kind of having those feelings and, you know, what, what's my next step? What could I do to move towards being a, you know, a happier human being? Well, um, that's a good question. There's, I would say a couple of things. One is um, if you think that there are, we talked about why people don't like to make, go into those places because they think that they can't get help. They, they think mm-hmm. there's no solution to their problem. And I would say, start seeking out people and practices that you think can support you. So it could be a best friend that you can talk to. It could be a professional. It could be a course. um, It could be a book. So that you know something's got your back. The universe has got your back if if you fall into the ditch around something, right? And the other thing is really question 
what you think is going to be discovered. Mm. One of the big things for me when I was in therapy uh, all long, long time ago was I was convinced that I was just a bad person and that the more I looked, the more bad it was going to get. I was just going to discover how awful I am. And I even got to the point where I said to my therapist, I think I know what's going on. I'm just evil. I'm just a bad person. And we sat with that. And she was always very silent. You know, she yeah. was the silent always therapist. Always in the pause. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, say something, lady. And she's like, is that really what you think? Like, I had to say it out loud, what I was kind of believing about myself. And then we could unpack that. And I realized, no, Rita. You're not a bad person, but you keep creating situations that feel really bad because you have some core beliefs about yourself, core wounds that you keep. That's what we do with core wounds. We keep creating situations that confirm them and relive them. We relive them and relive them. And I was just, what I was doing was recreating stuff to relive the trauma of what had happened to me in all different ways, yeah. right? Very common, would you say? Oh, that's what we do. That's what we do, yeah. And the opportunity there is when you recreate something, you can do something different. You can understand yourself more, get support from friends or professionals or a book or a course, situations, and then treat yourself better. Love yourself through this and look at what you're believing that's creating this. And I, I say this very cautiously because then people go into, I didn't deserve that. I didn't cause that. And I'm like, nope, you don't deserve it. You didn't cause it. But we, not today. Yeah. I mean, um, one of the things that uh, the whole point of the workbook that I wrote, the Self-Compassion Project Workbook, is, yeah, is to do that exploratory work around these core issues. So, and it's really one feeling at a time, one, or it happens organically. Life will bring you exactly what you need to deal with, right? So it's about feeling the feeling, writing the story around that part of yourself that feels whatever, you know, jealousy, fear, hatred, rage, you name it. And when you write that story, it's so rich because it tells you um, where it came from, how it repeats itself. Um, I've had people write stories. They really let their imagination go with it. And they're different characters and archetypes. They're bringing in like other lifetimes. Um, so this could be generational, right? The women in our family always do X. Therefore, I'm doing X, but I'm miserable doing X. Why do I keep doing X? Right. And then you have, so you get the whole elaborate story and it's kind of like hearing the background story of a character um, from a movie and you go, oh my gosh, no wonder this person is so dysfunctional or so keeps doing the same thing or is always scared when this happens or is, or is this bad? Wow. Wow. And you start to have compassion for this part of yourself that's just visioners do is to help you get out of your head, right? Because your mind is constantly coming up with thoughts. They're contradictory thoughts. They're all over the place. And it's hard to even keep track of them because as soon as you have one, it goes to another and it goes to a contradiction. So it's really hard to make sense out of it. 
But once you get it on paper or you do it through art or you do it through song or sound or movement, then you can observe it. And you can go into observer mode. And like you said, it's like you're watching a movie or you're watching a friend or I framed it as you're a really compassionate, the like ideal parent you want to be. Maybe you never had this parent or you don't feel like you are. You become the compassionate parent looking at your child's story and going, oh, my sweet, sweet baby. You've suffered so much. I'm so sorry. You've been doing this for years. And you have a completely different relationship with that part of yourself. When you see it on paper, you see it observed, you see it played out. That's why things like movies and books are so powerful and art and music because it allows you to observe something. Well, you know, I, with the book, I say, give yourself 30 minutes from A to Z, you know, from step one to step, step six, because it goes beyond just saying, oh my gosh, I had no idea. You know, um, there's parts where you're, you're asking what you need and giving yourself what you need and then, and then living your life from that place. But I would say, you know, the first round is maybe 30 minutes. Depends on how much crying you're doing when you're doing it. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, we also have to get over our own resistance, right? I, we all do it. I resist things all the time. And then I go, oh, I'm in resistance. Yeah, well, you know, the ego, the, the, the part, the ego part of us, um, which is the part that judges and loves polarities, you know, loves like, that's ugly, that's beautiful, that's good, that's bad. Um, it doesn't like growing and it feels uh, an existential threat when it feels like it could be wrong, right? That's one of the biggest ego needs we have is the need to be right, which you'll see online, by the way, right? In spades. And you'll feel it if someone challenges you and you're just like, ah, you're, you're a keyboard warrior. It feels like it's a threat, like a existential threat because it is a bit of a threat to the ego, right? Not you, not you as a person, but the ego um, uh, is very protective, can be very resistant to things. Um, and it doesn't mean that like when you're resistant, it doesn't mean that that's uh, wrong or that you have to fight through every resistance to go to something. It just means like, okay, let's check in. Is this like an ego thing where I'm just being resistant because I'm afraid? Or is this doesn't resonate? It's not for me. It's like when you're a kid and, you're, and your parents give you money and you go buy something, you have no idea of what it's worth. And then when you get a job and you make some money and then you go buy things, you have a totally different perspective of how you want to spend your money and what money, because you had to put the work into it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's what we're doing, I think, as a collective. From my perch, I really feel like we're going through a spiritual maturation process. So, um, and the more mature you get, the more um, humble you get. Uh, and the more authentic you get and you become more yourself who you really are. And the more you do that, that's what the world wants, you know? And that's what I feel like I'm kind of learning in my arc, my maturity is I start off wanting to save the world. And what I'm really realizing now that the only way I can save the world is to be who I really am and do my own work. That's what the world needs. Also creating a new world. I think that's part of what we're doing is 
uh, creating, I know this, this term, the new normal has been bandied about, right? How I interpret that is that we're literally and figuratively creating a new world right now, which just has a higher consciousness. It, it may not look like that depending on like what YouTube channel you're watching or what's not going on in your feed, but, um, but it's happening. And, and, bef- and as that can't happen if we don't look at all the shadow stuff, if we don't look at all the wounds. And so we're, they're in our face, right? Violence and hatred and rage and division. That's all part of our shadow, our individual shadow work and our collective shadow work. So I feel like my contribution to the world and the saving creating process is helping people look at all of that stuff, all of the stuff that they're avoiding, keeping in the shadows and bringing light on it and loving it and having compassion for it so it can dissolve and come into the light and turn into something really amazing. And I totally understand why people are resistant as well, because sometimes resistance feels like protection and, and I don't want to submit. Um, I don't want to be in a powerless position. Um, I need to stand up and I need to resist. And my answer to that, because I've had to go through it myself is this is not about submission, right? You don't have to submit, but if you don't clear all the baggage around this stuff, then you're going to create more of what you don't want. So it's not about, um, I almost feel like in some ways it's not even about what's going on, but how you as an individual are maneuvering and dancing elegantly through all of it and how you're going to deal with it as an individual. Cause I know as moms, we can be like, you know, grizzly bear moms. We want to protect our children And some people have different ideas about what that protection is going to look like. Um, And for me, uh, I have three teens. And so, you know, they're in the territory of, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And and I'm like, I love rebellion, but not that way. You know, I'm like, (laughs) but that's not my, my version of rebellion. You can't do it that way. So I've had to do a lot of clearing around stuff so that I can be the best support and guidance for them so that I don't inadvertently create more of what I don't want. Mm. Does that make sense? What yeah, I'm saying? Absolutely. Sense to you? Absolutely. Can, can you tell me a little bit before we close about, yeah. um, I saw that you wrote in, in, in something about clearing. You said, Oh, I had to clear myself. Yeah. What does that look like for you? How do you clear yourself? So, uh, so I have, things that I teach around releases and I've picked up different ways to release things over the years. And some of it is simple as literally just breathing, which is another big theme right now is being able to breathe and being feeling safe and breathing. Yeah. Um, It's restricted a lot when we're, it's restricted. Uh, Certain groups feel like they can't breathe. Some people feel it's dangerous to breathe. Yeah. But breathing is so central to the whole solution to this whole thing, right? Yeah. Because the breath is immediately available to us. It's free. You don't have to, you know, give any money to breathe. It's uh, infinite. We're always breathing in air and breathing out carbon dioxide. Um, so some of the releases, so I work on releases. How do you release the negative emotional energy from 
your psyche, from your body energetically. And a lot of it is just breathing in what you want and breathing out what you don't want, okay. releasing it. And then there's different techniques that I teach, which you can look up in lots of different books um, to do or videos. People do all sorts of releasing. So when I say clearing, it's becoming aware there's something there and then doing some sort of practice or rele uh, technique um, to release the emotion mm -hmm. around it and then checking in with myself again and my body, is there tension anywhere? What's going on? Um, and you know, sometimes it's journaling and asking what I need, what's going on. And then I've watched like amazing and strange things happen on the outside because I've released on the inside mm -hmm. that I've been able to walk through situations where before I'd be in complete resistance and fear or anger. And I've been able to kind of just walk through it. Like it's no big deal mm -hmm. and came out the other side. Okay. Yeah. Such a different experience and such a sense of freedom. Like, I can walk through anything now. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you're talking about this because uh, I led like a little women's uh, circle the other night outside. Um, and it was the first one that I've done in person. And it just, it felt good to do that again. But one of the women was like wound up because she had been listening to some political news radio. Do it. And she was do like it. this, you know, like her hands were clenched and she was like, it makes me so angry. And, and, and I said, you know, I would be careful about how much of that you take in. It sounds like it's one, you know, I, I could see just from the way she described in her body. And I said, I've seen you walking your dog <laughs> and you got the smile on your face and your hair swinging yeah. and you yeah. could tell her body language so different between the yes. one that's feeding her spirit and one that is driving her crazy. Um, and so what I'm hearing is that not only are you releasing, but then you're checking in to say, where in my body physically am I feeling this? Yes. Yeah. Cause her body carries it all. Her poor body does such a service for us. It carries it all. And if you keep carrying it over and over and over again, your body will tell you in different ways. It'll yeah. make you sick. It'll, you'll have a backache. You'll have a headache. You'll have, you know. Oh, so let's, let's maybe close with that. I love that because it goes back to the beginning of what we were talking about. If your willingness to, to do a little bit of spiritual work, that maybe some of those old wounds that we have that are being layered on over and over and over again in that endless cycle that you mentioned, that comes out in physical ways in our body, that we can actually heal ourselves, not only emotionally, but physically. Yeah from yeah. just a 30 minute pouring out of your story onto a page of, of, of paper, you know, with, with your guidelines. I mean, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, obviously uh, there are no guarantees with this stuff. You just yeah. do it. Um, you may have to find someone who is a physical healer to deal with different yeah. stuff that's caught in there. That's, thing I love about all this and rise in particular is that there's so many ways to do it. And so many people who have gifts, superpowers yeah. to help you. And you have to find what's right, the yes. right fit for you. Yeah. So trying one thing out and then saying, Hmm, and you have to be a little curious and a little adventurous because, you know, I didn't know a shaman before I met Lori. Right. And I, totally trust her with all my energy stuff. And so I do, I talk to different people for different things. Yes. I might have her clear something that I feel stuck in. I might talk to someone else about something. I might go to the journaling, um, you know, so we, we 
have to find what suits us and what, what resonates. Yes. I always say what sparkles for you, what resonates with you. If you do something yeah. like, oh, that's not really for me. I'm not. Um, but you just have to try it. It's in the yes. Try it. Yeah. And then it may not resonate with you right now, but maybe in a year you'll be like, where have you been all my life? Yeah. You know, I need you now. Yes. So it can change. Yeah. you got team Pam. You've got your whole team. <laughs> no, it sounds like you too. You do yeah, too. So. A lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for your time today and for your wisdom. And I, I think that um, we may save the world and help a lot of people if they're willing to show up and yes. uh, do a little work. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at TalkingJoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.